best friends and introverts, welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, or welcome if you're joining for the very first time. As always, I am your host, Chelsea Brown. This week, we're going to be talking about what it is like to be an empath. I am an empath. I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand with being an introvert sometimes. And you might identify with some of these things too. And if you do, I'm also going to give you some tips on how to protect yourself as a highly sensitive, empathetic person. But first, as always, we're going to do our mental health check. You're going to rate your mental health from one to five, one being horrible, five being amazing. Today, for me, I am... I think I'm still about a two. Um, I'm still kind of going through it with my friend breakup thing. I feel like friend breakups are sometimes even worse than romantic breakups, especially if you guys like talked all the time and like they were a constant in your life. It's like a whole thing. And so I'm just feeling all of the feels and not having a good time, to be honest. <laughs> but um, I'm doing my best to just be gentle with myself, to allow myself to feel the feelings to communicate with people around me that I am feeling these feelings and what I have energy for, what I don't. And my support system, aka my husband, is very, very supportive and he's been he's been really helpful during this time, to be honest. I I just really appreciate that he he's there for me, you know? It makes me feel like like it'll be okay just to have someone that close to you be there for you. Um so yeah, I'm just feeling a little I think just a little sad. Like it's it's all sinking in and I know that it was the right decision, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't still have uncomfortable emotions attached to it. Don't forget that this is also your time to check in with yourself, rate your mental health from one to five, one being horrible, again, five being amazing. And if you're feeling kind of down like me, that's okay. It will be fine. We'll all be okay. And the most important thing is just to be honest with yourself. If you need to pause the show and do a little check-in with you, do that now. Check in with yourself. Make sure how you're telling yourself you feel, it kind of lines up with how you actually feel. There's really nothing wrong with experiencing uncomfortable emotions. It's just kind of how we handle it. While you are thinking about that, I am going to give my recommendations for the week. I have two, again. I have a book and a TV show for you. That seems to be the theme lately, and I'm, I'm vibing with it. The book that I'm going to recommend, I'm actually not finished with, and not because I don't want to be. I literally read it at night until I fall asleep, and I cannot keep my eyes open anymore. And then when the day starts, like, I have things to do. So I'm doing the things, but I think I'm going to finish it today, and it is so good. I've read, I think, one other book by this author, well, this name of this author. She has two pen names, one for, like, thrillers and one for romance. And so, anyway, <laughs> the book is called The Villa by Rachel Hawkins. She also wrote Reckless Girls, which you might remember that I read last year, and it is very, very good. I, at first, wasn't too crazy about the dual timeline thing. I've seen it a lot lately, and it feels like a trend in publishing, like publishing has trends, and that's just how it goes. But it's just like, <laughs> can we please just tell a story? Just a linear story would be great. But as I kept reading, 
I began to understand why the author chose to do this, and I began to appreciate it a lot more, especially as I came toward the end. Like, there's the big reveal, and the reveal is actually in both timelines, so it's two, like, wow moments. And I have, I think, 17% left. That's what my Kindle says. I have 83% complete, 17% left. And I'm really going to try to finish it today because I'm just dying to know how everything resolves. The concept of this book is that, well, there are two, so I'll give you the main concept. The main concept is that there's this writer and she has written this prolific series. There are nine books in the series and she's due for the 10th book. Now, as she's trying to meet this deadline for the 10th book, she gets extremely sick. Her husband leaves her because she's sick, so she's going through a divorce. Her husband is trying to cash in on her royalties for her books because he thinks that he's somehow entitled to them because they were married for so long and because he gave input on her stories. Don't even get me started on that. But that's one. Oh, and she's friends with this like ultra famous health and wellness author. And this friend brings her with her to Italy to a villa to just get away for six weeks. Like you've had a horrible year. Like, let's just go and you can try to refocus because the main character is unable for whatever reason, experiencing writer's block, whatever it is, she can't complete this 10th book. So they go to the villa, case in point for the title, and the writer discovers a different kind of story that she wants to write and just begins writing that. The story that the author wants to write is based on the history of the villa, which is where this second timeline comes into play. And the timeline, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's maybe in the 70s, like 1970s, I'm pretty sure. So there was supposedly a murder in the house and the author is reading about this and finds journal entries and diary entries from someone who lived in the house at the time. So those are the two timelines. So we get to see the the diary entries we get to see what's happening with the author and again at first I wasn't a huge fan like I wasn't seeing the vision especially for the timeline that's in the past the setup for it felt a little I don't know it it just wasn't flowing for me but I kind of skimmed past that I'm not gonna lie to you skim past the like setup of like why we're here and who everyone is and blah 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 like I don't care I want to know what's happening in the story. So I kind of skimmed past that a little bit. And I'm glad I did because once you get to maybe 15% of the way through, you're hooked and you want to read. But this intro part is like kind of a drag in the first 15% of the book. So do with it what you will. Maybe you're more resilient than me and you're able to just truck on through parts of books that are kind of boring but I'm not. <laughs> I find that I have gotten bored really easily. There are, I think, three books that I've started and I have not finished them. I'm not sure if I'm going to finish them because it's like there are millions of books on the earth and why am I wasting my time with one that's just not doing it for me? Just Like it doesn't, it's not that serious, you know? So I don't know if I'm going to finish those, but I might have not finished this one if I had kept reading instead of just skim the first 
So do with that what you will. I have not finished it again, but up to this point, I would give it like four and a half stars out of five. So that's a pretty high rating for me. And in that case, I think that it's it's worth the read. Maybe just skim the first 15% or so. The second recommendation I have for you is an old one. I think I probably recommended this before, like a year ago. But we're officially in September, you know? And when September hits, I want it to be fall. I want it to be Halloween. I want it to be cold. I want to wear sweaters and boots and do the whole fall thing with all my scary movies and shows. So I am re-watching The Haunting of Hill House. It is a phenomenal horror series. I think it's directed by Mike Flanagan. He does The Haunting of Bly Manor. He did Midnight Mass and he also did The Midnight Club on Netflix. I have loved every single one of the series that he's created. The Haunting of Hill House though is like a really special one for me because the way that everything comes full circle at the end, the way that the timelines overlap. I love the, the, the just visual of someone opening a door in the present and you're actually opening a door into the past and carrying on into a scene that's happening. It's incredible. It's scary. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. There's a lot of disturbing imagery. If you don't like haunting stuff, you're going to hate this. Haunting is in the name. So trust me when I tell you there is haunting stuff in every single episode. My father-in-law and I both like horror series and we have been watching different series together lately or like concurrently and then discuss them at a later date. I had him start The Haunting of Hill House. He said he started it one night, really late at night, and when he was going to bed, he had to have like the lights following him. And what I mean by that is like you walk into a room, you turn on the light, you cross the room, you turn off the light, turn on the light to the next room. I do that all the time. Um, but I usually use my phone flashlight. I'm not walking through the dark. I I'm not doing it. And you might be saying, or thinking, well, why don't you just stop watching horror stuff? And the reason is that I cannot. I cannot stop. I actually really enjoy them. I I love the the fear element. I love the cinematography. I love the the just creativity that goes into creating a series like this. This series is incredible. So if you have not seen it yet, you have been living under a rock. Welcome to the real world. But please, please, please watch The Haunting of Hill House. It will get you in the spooky mood and will prep you for what I have next week, which is scary stories. Okay, so yes, I that has to be my, my second recommendation for this week because I'm not even going to lie, I have watched The Haunting of Hill House no fewer than four times. And each time I've enjoyed it, it's not like I fast forward any parts. Every scene is just as enjoyable on a rewatch that it is the first watch. It's something that I wish I could watch again. Okay, so if you like scary stuff, if you like hauntings, if you are a fan of Mike Flanagan, go forth, watch this on Netflix. I promise you it is so, so, so good. If you're thinking that it's going to be like the Shirley Jackson book... It's, it's like loosely based. It's loosely based. I wouldn't go into it expecting like a rendition of the book. That's all I'm going to tell you. But just watch it 
every episode has something scary and they're not really jump scares not all of them some jump scares but some is just like really disturbing imagery that will stick with you just the overall eerie vibe will stick with you trust me go watch this and with all of that behind us and your mental health check-in complete let's go ahead and get into the episode and that's just talking about what it's like being an empath i identify as an empath and what an empath is is somebody who is highly sensitive to the emotions of other people around them now when i looked up the definition it said in parentheses in science fiction and coming from myself someone who is very rooted in reality uh it, it it's not science fiction it is not and if you are someone who identifies as an empath or have a finely attuned sense of how people around you are feeling you know that it's not just science fiction so being an empath is it's a lot sometimes and i feel for me at least that it's somewhat rooted in also being an introvert i feel that as an empath i get all this input from other people and what i mean by that is that i can tell how people are feeling and it's not like i'm necessarily reading their expression i think it's a lot subconscious but it has to do with like a vibe I can tell when someone's preoccupied. I can tell when someone is angry or upset or if their vibe is just a little off. And I know that sounds like science fiction-y, but it's not true, okay? That is not science fiction. That is my actual life. And it's not like, oh, I think that someone's mad, so I'm like putting that on them. This is something I've discussed with my husband and I can tell when he's upset and I'll just be like, hey, you, your vibe seems off, you seem upset. And he's even told me, he's like, yeah, you're really good at that. So it's not like, oh yeah, I'm deluding myself into thinking that I know what people are feeling. Like this is legitimate. And if you too can tell when other people are upset just by their vibe, you might be an empath too. In some ways, I think this is really good because it helps me adapt to a situation and it helps me read a situation so that I'm not piling on someone who's really upset already, for example. So I'm not bringing something to someone who is not prepared to offer me help or offer me input. Like I can tell you're already feeling some type of way so I can adapt my my approach if I approach at all. On the other hand, <laughs> I feel like because I know how people feel, like I can feel how people feel, I also think that I have a tendency to make assumptions and the assumptions are unfortunately true a lot of the time. So why would I stop making assumptions? You know what I mean? So I can feel that someone's upset and I'm like, hey, seems like you're upset. What's going on? And if you don't tell me or if you're like, no, I'm not upset. I'm like, okay, so they're mad at me. And that might not even be an empath thing. That might be like a trauma thing. <laughs> and in all honesty, I think that being an empath is highly rooted in trauma, at least for myself. I can tell you that my home life was at one point very unstable, particularly in childhood. And 
this meant that I needed to know how people around me were feeling. If I didn't know how people around me were feeling, it could be the difference between having a good day and having a bad day. So I, I completely understand that aspect of myself that, you know what, just because someone doesn't want to talk about it, maybe it's not you. But it doesn't mean that that person's not upset because you can feel it. I think this also attributes to an empath's feeling of intuition because when you feel something, like feel a certain vibe from someone, I think particularly as women, we can kind of talk ourselves out of the idea that we're right. And I'll give you an example. So my husband has this incredible, we call it his spidey sense. And he knows, like, immediately when he meets someone, if they are a bad person. And he has not been wrong. Actually, it's not true. He was only wrong one time that I know of. And he even stated that he's like, you know what? I think I was wrong. Like, he spends more time with this person and realizes that his initial impression was not correct. But there are certain people that he comes into contact with and he's like, that's not a good dude or that's not a good person. And he is so, so right. And he trusts his intuition in that regard. For me, I have had to kind of hone this and hone my my trust in myself because I can get the vibe, right? I can receive the vibe that you are not a good person and you just have this like aura about you and I can feel it. Like I can feel it in the same way that I would feel my own emotions, but I know that that's not mine. So I have been working for several years to just trust my intuition. And intuition is something that is highly attributed to someone who is an empath. And again, if you have it or not, if you're an empath or not, whether you get a feeling or a vibe about someone, it's all about like trusting that. And if you don't trust that, then this thing that you have about you, this this part of your personality and who you are is not being put to use. And that has been the case for me historically, that I will get the vibe, I will receive the message, right? That someone is not right for me, that someone is or a bad person, or they're taking advantage of me. And because I know that I'm liable to make assumptions about people's feelings, like assume that they're mad at me, I'm like, okay, but are you being dramatic? You know, and I've worked really hard to learn the difference between, okay, you're just being a little bit of a drama queen and no, this is legit. And I, I mean, I highly recommend this work to anyone who's an empath because the odds are that you are receiving these vibes from people that are not for you, have bad intentions for you, whatever the case may be. And maybe you're just ignoring them because you're told often that you're being dramatic. There's nothing worse than having a reaction to something and being told that you're dramatic. Like, I, I completely understand the, the gross feeling that that will bring you. But when you tell that to yourself, like, that's what you believe, right? So you know that you're an empath. You know that you feel things from other people. But if you are telling yourself, 
oh, that's just made up, that's in your head. You're not using one of your senses is how I look at it. Like this is something that I have a sense for and it's really important that I use it. I don't know why I have this sense, but I do know that it has kind of saved my hide a couple times. I'll give you an example. So I was walking my dog hybrid. He is gigantic now, but at the time he was about nine months old. He was still a big dog, think like a large German Shepherd, but he wasn't full grown. Like you could tell that he was a juvenile dog, you know, and not to mention like he couldn't walk on a leash to save his life. He was just a little brat when he was younger, but he's always been very, very protective of me. I don't know why exactly, but I do know that he's always been that way. So we are walking like we do every single day and I see this guy walking toward me on the same side of the road. So I'm like looking at him and I'm like, that looks, there's something about this person like that's just giving me a vibe. I don't know what it is. Can't see the man's face yet. I can't see any identifying features about him because it was winter time. He's all bundled up in like a hat, a scarf the jacket, the pants, like the whole thing. So I can't see anything about this person other than that it's a person and the walk kind of looked like a man. So I cross the street. I usually do even now because I know not everyone likes big dogs. Like they, they're scared of big dogs and hybrid is big and he's like overly friendly. He doesn't have like a concept of manners. He's better than he used to be don't get me wrong but he will still kind of sniff you touch you with his nose maybe even lick you and not everyone's into that so in this instance I'm like okay I'm kind of getting a vibe I'm gonna cross the street and the man crosses the street in front of me and I'm like okay maybe he like lives on this side of the street so I don't know like let me just cross back so I cross back and he crosses back I'm like, okay. So now my my senses are like on red alert because I know now that there's something wrong. I don't know what exactly is wrong, but this person does not want good things for me. And dogs are kind of like empaths. Like they can feel how you feel. So I feel frightened. I feel agitated. So hybrid senses that and he's like, his ears are up, up, like really high. And he's like staring at this man. And hybrid always walks on my left hand side. And typically, even then, even though he would pull and lunge and whatever, every once in a while, if he saw a squirrel, he would walk on my left side. So when this man gets closer, because I'm not crossing the street again, like at this point, we're just, it's going to be what it'll be. You know, maybe it's nothing. Maybe he just wants to talk to me about hybrid because everyone's curious about this dog. Maybe it's nothing. So we're just walking and hybrid goes and stands right in front of me and just stops. And the guy looks at me and I just see this like look in his eyes that just makes me very uncomfortable. And he's like, oh, your dog's really protective. I'm like, yep. And he's like, does he bite? I was like, yep. Even though Hybrid has never been aggressive or bitten anyone, like that is not who he is. But I'm not telling this guy, obviously. And the guy's just like, oh, okay. And he turns around and walks really fast away from me. So I'm like, imagine. First of all, imagine if 
I hadn't had my dog with me. Like that would have been a bad situation. I'm a small person. I'm five foot four. I'm like a hundred and some odd pounds. I'm not, I'm not a big person. Uh, so although I would like to think I'm scrappy, I don't know. You know, I haven't been in a fight in a long time, but I had this intuition that this person means to do me harm and I don't want this. I don't like this. I'm not feeling it. So imagine, first of all, let's assume I'm by myself and I see this guy, don't think anything of it, right? Maybe I have this feeling like, oh my gosh, what if he's about to kidnap me? And then I'm like, no, 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 you're being dramatic. Shut up. And I keep just walking toward the guy, la la la, headphones in, and the man kidnaps me because I was too stupid to even be on alert for this, you know? So I fully believe that that situation, if I had not been aware of my intuition, could have gone much worse, even if Hybrid was with me. Like he wasn't, he was big, but he wasn't that big. And I don't know what he would do in an actual situation. So all of that to say, as an empath, you are highly sensitive. And when these feelings come to you, it is important to trust them, okay? An empath is also kind of like an emotional sponge. And that's true of like absorbing things and being wrung out. And to be honest with you, today I kind of feel wrung out. I feel like, oh my gosh. So, hold on one second. Just FYI, you are going to hear leaf blowers in the background, unless I can find a way to minimize the sound in editing. I, the rage I feel every time I hear a leaf blower, it, I mean, beyond beyond but we're at the height of the heat of the day and this is when these people decide to come oh serenity now serenity now uh i'm just gonna keep going you know we're we're in a groove we're vibing we're talking about empaths and i'm gonna talk to you about empaths being like sponges and please ignore the leaf blower in the background i'm sorry anywho So, empaths are like sponges in both absorbing and being wrung out. I feel wrung out today. I feel like my own emotions are are enough for me. Like, I have nothing left. I don't feel like I can socialize because the thought of absorbing someone else's emotions right now exhausts me. Like, beyond exhausts me. When you're out and about, you can absorb the emotions of people around you, even if you're not, like, close to them. You don't have to know their name. Like, you don't have to know anything about this person to feel how they're feeling. And I think this is kind of like a weird little superpower. And that's kind of how I think of it. It's like genuinely like this additional sense that I have and that other empaths have. Like, we can tell how other people are feeling and we can often absorb it, which means that sometimes being in a large crowd is terrible because I'm feeling all of this And if you're at like a concert or something, that can be great because we're all excited and we're hype and we're listening to the artists that we're there to see. All great. But if I'm even in like a grocery store, a doctor's office, like places where people are stressed, I feel the stress too. I absorb the stress too. 
I am tired. You know, I am tired. And some days I have more emotional energy and bandwidth than other days. Even today, like I was going to go run errands, but genuinely the thought of leaving my house today, I can't fathom it. I am tired even just thinking about it. So not only are empaths highly sensitive, they're they absorb other people's emotions, can be uncomfortable in crowds, and you're more sensitive to people's feelings and states of mind than the average person. Again, I gotta tell you, this is not science fiction. This is my real life, okay? If you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I relate to all of this, and that's, that might be likely because as an introvert, I do think empathy and introversion kind of go hand in hand sometimes. So, if you think you might be an empath, here are a couple things that might help you solidify your opinion. Okay, you need time alone to recharge. This is like an obvious introvert thing. I, as an introvert, need time to recharge and just as an empath, I need time to recharge. And I need time either alone or with people that don't draw on my social battery at all. So that's like a list of one person (laughs) for me. For you, it might be a couple people that you're able to be around even when you're feeling overwhelmed, but we do need time to recharge. Next, oftentimes empaths are highly creative. This goes to like left brain and right brain, and I don't remember which one is the creative one and which one is the rational one, but the creative one is also highly influenced by emotions. So if you are a highly empathetic person, you are also likely to be a highly creative person. And just as a note, creativity does not always look like writing or painting or drawing. It can be creativity in software, for example. You're a very creative problem solver. It can be things like that, not necessarily things that you immediately think of as like art. And finally, something that you might relate to as someone who might be an empath is that you are drawn to healing professions. Things in the medical field, places where you can help people, customer service, again, the arts, which I think is kind of a healing thing for some people, things like that. You are just innately drawn to these things, potentially, but not always. And finally, what I want to talk about is ways to protect yourself as an empath. If you've gotten to the end of this, you're like, (laughs) okay, I, yeah, I think I'm an empath. I relate to almost everything that you've said, and that explains why I'm so tired all the time. I got you. Don't worry. The number one thing that empaths need to do, as well as introverts, to be perfectly honest, is you need to be highly selective with who you spend your time with and who you spend your energy on. Not everyone is on the list of people that you can be with all the time, no matter what. And it just is what it is. You have different kinds of friendships, and actually there's this really good TikTok series on different kinds of friendships, and I might do an episode on it because it really helped me understand how friendships evolve and stuff like that, but I'll leave that for another episode. What I'm trying to say is that not every friend is going to be your safe space friend, you know, and that's perfectly fine. Not every friend has to be like your bestie doesn't have to be your bestie. It can be someone you just go to the club with or you go to get coffee with. Like, it doesn't have to be that deep. And as someone who is empathetic, you have to be selective 
with who you allow to be that close to you at all times because you you are so sensitive to their energy that it affects your energy and affects you and your mental health. Similarly, you have to take time for yourself to recharge. Make sure you take time for you and stop pouring into other people's cups. You can't pour into someone else's cup if your cup is empty. This is such a hard lesson to learn and something that I am like finally starting to understand and get because historically I am someone who will try to help people and help people and help people and completely neglect my own needs. So I'm doing better about that and I know it's hard to not be a people pleaser all the time. I know recovering people pleaser here, hello, but trust me when I say that it is worth it. Obviously, these two things were true for introverts as well. So if you're already doing these things and you're also an empath, like you might feel like your energy is better protected, but maybe not as protected as you want. And so I'm going to give you a final thing to think about when it comes to protecting your energy, and that is creating boundaries. This is not easy for people who are empathetic because you can feel when someone's hurting, right? You can feel when someone needs you or needs a friend or needs to talk to someone. Like you can feel that. How do you create a boundary? Verbally. Okay, this is difficult. This is hard. I suck at this, particularly with strangers. I have lots of traits about myself that are very people pleasery, <laughs> which means that if some lady is talking to me in the grocery store about her dead kid or her job, or even in the dentist's office the other day, this lady was unloading on me about all the things that she had gone through that day and whatever, but she seemed like really appreciative that I listened to her. And honestly, that day I did have the energy. But just saying things like, uh, I'm really sorry that happened to you, but I don't have the energy to talk about this. Um, excuse me, I need to leave. Even just walking away, like these things, it's uncomfortable. It feels rude. But to me, what, what can be a little bit more rude than that is taking advantage of my energy because you're having a bad day. You know, I don't think that's necessarily appropriate. I think it's a little rude to air out all your personal business with someone you have literally, you don't, you've not even met me. You know what I mean? Like you don't know my name. You don't know anything about me other than it looks like I might be willing to help you. So create these boundaries and remind yourself that a boundary can also look like removing certain people from your life. Sometimes the friendship or the acquaintanceship or the relationship is not beneficial for you. You sometimes feel resentful or like you're being taken advantage of and you're not sure what you are getting out of the relationship. And if that's the case, it's time to remove that person from your life. And as someone going through a friend breakup that I apparently can't stop talking about, I can tell you that it is complicated, it is painful, but you will know in the back of your mind that it is the right thing to do. And it is so important to protect your energy because again, at the end of the day, you cannot pour into someone else's cup if your own cup is empty. 
So take care of yourself first, put on your own oxygen mask first, and understand that you can trust your intuitive tendencies, you can trust yourself, and if you can trust your intuition, you can also trust the intuition that's telling you, maybe this person isn't right for me. Maybe I need to create these boundaries. Maybe I need to take time for myself. Whatever that looks like, trust yourself. It's difficult and might be unfamiliar, but it's really important. And so with all of that being said, we are about at the end of our time together this week. Thank you so much for joining me as always. I promise I will shut up about my friend breakup. I'm just going through it at the moment. If you are feeling especially kind or maybe bad for me, <laughs> you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Every rating and review really, really helps the show and also makes me feel good. You can follow the podcast Instagram and TikTok at You're So Quiet Pod. I post videos, I post reels, I post just pictures and stories. I'm like on the social media grind lately, so come find me there. That is all for now, and I will talk to you all next week. Okay, love you. Bye.